0: Good morning, church. Good morning. Everybody good? I love that everybody's, like, comfortable enough. We can just sit there and just fellowship and just talk all day long, right? That's one of the things I love about at the end of church, how nobody just leaves a lot of times. (laughs) Everybody's hanging out. It's a beautiful thing, man. It's nothing like being in the house of the Lord and the presence of the Lord. And and I'm excited for today. I'm excited for this word. I really feel like God has been ministering to me and I pray would would fill you up today. Because, man, there's something about coming to the feet of Jesus. You know, That's where we find deliverance. That's where we find healing. That's where lives are, are truly changed when we humble ourselves and we come at his feet. So powerful. And one of the things that I think we tend to forget at times is part of our purpose, part of God's will for our life is not only for us to be filled up by him, but for it to overflow, for us to become living streams of his goodness, living streams of God in this world. And so I'm really excited for today, man, because I really, there's this song that's just been heavy on my heart for the past several weeks, and it's called There is a Cloud by Elevation Worship. And it's really talking about uh, in 1 Kings how the prophet Elijah and how he would go and he was praying. He had did a prayer that there would be no rain. So there was no rain for years. And then after this whole thing had went down, he was like, now it's time for me to pray for the rain to come back. And he went away and he prayed. And it says that he got down on his knees, face down, and he prayed seven times. And he kept asking, hey, do you see any clouds? And they're like, no, nothing yet. You see any clouds? No, nothing yet. And seven times this happened until finally they were like, hey, there's a little cloud out there. And he said, oh, man, you need to go tell him. He needs to go right now before the storm catches him. And that's what I feel like this season is for a lot of our churches. We're just in a place where that storm is getting ready to come, where God's rain in our life is getting ready just to flood and just fill us in a way like never before. And that excites me, church. That excites me to see that for y'all. That excites me to be a part of it. And, um, man, I just, I just want God's best for everybody. One of the things that always gets in the way, though, is our way. Just always does. Our way always gets in the way of God's way and his best. And today we're going to be reading a a story out of the Old Testament, out of Genesis. Any we got any uh, Beauty and the Beast fans in here? Beauty and the Beast? This is a story as old as time, okay? Dad jokes. I can't help it, y'all. I can't help it. But we're going to be reading about Adam and Eve, okay? And man, there's just so much wisdom and knowledge within that story and In the Christian world, they always call this the fall. That it was at this point, I'm going to say like how the youth say, we messed things up and we started to belong to the streets, okay? But the thing is, God has something beautiful for us. And a lot of times, it's the deception of our own persuasion that messes us up. And so I just want to, man, just pray again. We already prayed three times. I want to pray again because we really need Jesus to take the will. And that's one of the most powerful things I heard yesterday is one of the ladies that was leading prayer. She said, you know, when we refer to God, that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. That we need to make sure that we're saying the name of Jesus because that is the distinction between every other God is Jesus. His word tells us that it's through him we could go to the Father. That it's through Jesus we could find salvation. It's through Jesus that we could be healed, we could be transformed. We got to go to the Son so we could get to the lord and so that's why i want to just pray right now father as we come before you lord that's what we ask that we would let go of the steering wheel of our life lord that jesus you would take over that we would hop out of the seat and let you sit in it lord and that you would drive us into a place that we need to be in a place that just redirects our life and a place that straightens us out lord and a place that leaves us undivided lord so I just pray right now, Lord, as we come before you, that you would just speak to us. Your word says in Psalms 86, 11, teach me your ways, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. Father, that's what we pray this morning, that you will just reunite our heart, Lord, that you would forgive us for ways that we have strayed away, ways that we have messed us up, ways that we have gotten in the way. And that we would be reunited with you walking in your truth. So just have your way this morning. Have your our hearts, have our ears, have our minds, Lord. May our bodies, may everything about us be pleasing to you this morning. And just help us live this out in a way that reflects you. Father, we love you and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to read one little passage out of Genesis chapter 2. And then we're going to be really diving into Genesis chapter 3. But... I want to start here at Genesis chapter 2. I want to read verse 15 through 17 real quick. It's It's just so good. It says, The Lord God placed man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat from every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruits, you are sure to die. Now when I think about the garden of Eden when I when I envision that, you know, that's somewhere I've never been, but it sounds like a beautiful place the more that you read and you discover it. And, and the amazing thing about it is it was a place that he placed man. A place that matched his abilities, matched his giftings, his passions, the things that he longed for. But not only is it a place that was matching all those things, he also gave him authority he also gave him a clear vision, clear purpose of what he was supposed to do with life. And when, as I think about this, I think, isn't that a lot like what we are in search of all the time? That we're always looking for our garden. We're always looking for a position. We're always looking for that place that just fits the things we're passionate about. It fits the things that we want to do in life. It fits the, the areas that we want authority, that we want to use these giftings. And we see that Adam was placed in it. But God also said, hey, there's a warning, though. Look, as you see all the stuff around you, you, everything is available to you. You can have anything that you want. But when it comes to that one tree, don't mess with it. Don't touch it because that's not for you. And I think as a believer, as a Christian, we struggle with that concept sometimes. Because a lot of times God places us in a garden, in a position, in authority. And what do we think? I don't have to worry about nothing. Everything is available to me. Everything is good for me. But that's what I want us to start with. I want you to receive this and take this away this morning. That everything around you isn't for you. Everything around you isn't for you. I need you to look at your neighbor and tell them, hey, it isn't for you. Everything isn't for you. Look at your neighbor and tell them, everything isn't for you. We need to understand this, church. Everything isn't for us. We got to receive that this morning. Because sometimes we don't think about it when God has placed us in that garden. Sometimes we don't think about it when we find ourselves in this position. We're just like, I got it made in the shade. I don't have to worry about nothing no more. But there's other times that we understand, right? There are certain environments we don't need to be around. There are certain places we shouldn't hang out. There are certain things that are not good for us. In fact, there are certain people that we know we should have nothing to do with. It's easy to spot threats when they're loud, right? When you see them coming from a mile long. Have you ever gone somewhere and somebody was being real crazy and they're starting to come your way and you're just like, okay, here we go. Like, I don't know what's fixing to happen, but I'm going to be ready. Have you ever had that happen? Maybe I'm the only one, okay. I do got a chain on. I always tuck in my chain. You know, son's about to have him. Pass it him about to... But usually that's the way we think about the enemy. We think about threats that it's gonna come in a way that's loud, in a way that's in our face, in a way that kind of rushes at us. And if you've ever experienced somebody rushing at you, what do you do? Well, you're able to prepare yourself, you're able to withstand yourself, you're able to have that fight. But that's usually not what the enemy does. If the enemy has done that right now in this season of life, I wanna let you in on the secret. That means he's out of options. That means that he's tried to hit you in a lot of different ways and they haven't worked out. So we said, maybe if I intimidate them, Maybe if I rush up on them, maybe if I come and meet them in their face, I could get them to cower. I could get them to not trust God. I could get them to back down. So if you're in that season, I want to say, man, it just shows how much authority you already have in your life, how much Jesus is already working, that the enemy feels like that's the only way he could come at you. But that's not what we see in the text, and that's not what we're going to discover as we read. We're going to see something that I think plays a lot in a lot of our lives how he comes in a way that's subtle, as he comes in a way that we didn't expect, comes in a way that makes us question things. And I want us to pick up in Genesis chapter three now. We're gonna read about this. It says, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? And it goes to that saying, right? We expect the enemy to come and see us a certain way. We expect him to attack us a certain way. How many of y'all have gone and done Black Friday shopping? Any Black Friday shoppers in the house? Now, you know, if you're the last person with that TV or that item that everybody wants, you're like, I got to watch out. People are going to come and rush me. And that's how we view the enemy. We think he's going to come and rush us a certain way, but he doesn't. A lot of times, he just comes and sits right next to you. He says, hey, how you been doing? How's life going? You still working at that job? Boss still giving you a hard time? Man, you still putting up with your spouse? Like, I don't even know how you doing. He comes in a way that begins to ask us a question. And the funny thing is he asks us a question to answers that we already have, to things that we already know about. But he comes real smoothly and begins to ask you things. And maybe I've been the only one that's ever experienced this. Hopefully I haven't been. If you haven't, let a brother know, okay. But if you've ever been writing anything, and especially when it comes to spelling, I'm a horrible speller. You know, I tell you, I got dyslexia. This is a real diagnosis, okay. Okay. This is a real problem for me. And as a pastor and as a preacher and trying to write messages and teachings and stuff, sometimes I don't realize how jacked up I am. But thank the Lord for a lot of autocorrect and Grammarly and all those things. But a lot of times I'm spelling things out and I write it and I know how it's spelled. I know this, it's an easy word. But the more time I look at it, the more I just kind of examine it, the more I begin to question did I spell it right? It's starting to look kind of funny. I'm starting to think, you know what? Maybe this isn't right. Maybe it has this letter or maybe it's this way. And that's what the enemy does. He knows the things that are true in our life. He knows that he can't change them. And he goes and says, hey, let's talk about this. Let's have a, a conversation about it. So that's what we see is the enemy came to the woman and began to ask her questions to things that she already had the answer to. Because he knows that no matter what he does, he can't change what truth is. But if he can get you to question it, if he can get you to start to think about it a lot, if he can get you to really just start wondering and trying to change that truth, guess what he can do? He can get you to doubt. And it's in that season and that mind frame, that place of doubt, that we fall right into his hands. You know, in Hebrew, the word Satan, which we often refer as the devil, as the enemy, it translates to accuser or adversary. See, church, we have to grasp that we have an enemy who opposes us because of our relationship through Jesus, our relationship with God. So he's looking at every way possible that he could separate us back from that. So not only do you have an enemy, you have an adversary, but you also have somebody that's an accuser. So that means he's going to tell you some things to make you question because he's hoping and praying that he could get you to a place of doubt because if he could get you to doubt he could get you to chasing after things that are already harmful to you things that God had already warned you about things that God said man you have no business with this don't mess with this but there you are playing with it fiddling with it all up in it the enemy is subtle and he wants to pull up on us and Try to talk to us in ways that ruin our relationship. And so that's the second thing that I want you to receive this morning, that the enemy will ask questions about things that he cannot change with the intention to make you doubt. He's going to ask you a lot of questions. And if you spend time playing that game, having that conversation, there's a good chance you'll start having questions. There's a good chance that you'll start having doubts. And the thing about doubt is the more that you have a doubt about something, even though it was true, you begin to abandon it. You begin to say, you know what, I don't know how real that is. Because it's part of our DNA to search for what is real, to search for what is authentic. And the moment that we feel lied to, the moment that we feel betrayed, the moment we feel like somebody isn't being real or authentic with us, what do we do? We say, okay, I, I identify this, I need to distance myself from this. This isn't for me. I need to separate myself. So we're looking to get away from those things. And that's what the enemy does, right? What I say, he's an adversary. He wants to cause separation. He wants to cause division. He wants to oppose you in a way that brings you down. And he knows the quickest way to get us to separate ourselves from God, from Jesus, is to question what is real. If he gets us to a place of question, it won't be long before we're in a place of doubt. And once we reach that stage, we, we fall vulnerable right into his hands. We fall into the very things that God warned us about. He told us to avoid. We end up doing it. Have you ever been warned not to do something and you went not done it anyway? How many of us know what that is? Don't you feel dumb when that happens? You're like, oh my gosh, I, I knew better. We've all had it from the time we're little to even being adults, right? Hey, don't touch that stove. It's hot. That plate is hot. Hey, what you talk about get burned hey you need to slow down you know the cops are out right now next thing you know you're getting pulled over i told you you ain't have to get a ticket hey you need to look before you back up because you're gonna run into something end up running into something there's a lot of times that we have been given warnings but we kind of question it we kind of doubt it we kind of don't believe it that we find ourselves experiencing the very thing that was warned to us the very thing that could have been avoided I know parents are probably looking in the room like, hey, I hope you are listening, trying to tell you, I'm telling you the truth. But you don't have to be a child to experience heartache. That's all of us. We are all that person that experienced things that could be avoided because we didn't listen to the warning, we didn't receive it. We allowed it to become a question that became a doubt. And when you're in a place of questioning, a place of doubt, a place where you don't even know that the serpent has your ear you're in a dangerous place church I want us to read what happens next let's go to Genesis 3 verse 2 through 5 it says of course we may eat from the free, from the fruit from the trees in the garden the woman replied it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat God said you must not eat it or even touch it if you do you'll die you won't die the serpent replied to the woman god knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it and you will be like god knowing both good and evil so there he goes he's being slick again he already knows he's in a good position because he's got her thinking he's in her ear and you can already see the woman starting to think about it that's not what god said god said specifically we can't look at it can't touch it it's right there in the middle. She's starting to think about it. You can start to see the wheels in her mind start to turn. The questions are starting to rise, and man, that's where doubts get born. See, church, it's not enough for us to know what is right. You can know what is right all day long and still get things wrong. It doesn't guarantee you're going to get things right. You can know what is right and still be in a place of wrestling to do what is right. It's all of us. So we see this internal battle. We see these questions. We see these things happening. And the enemy's like, man, they are right where I want them. They allow me to sit at their table. They allow me to get their attention. They allow me to speak into their life. And now they're moments away from allowing me to separate them and make a foolish decision. I want us to continue to read to see what happens now. Verse 6 and 7, Genesis 3. It said, the woman was convinced. She knew that the tree was beautiful and that they looked delicious, the fruit did. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. She gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were open. And then suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. We all know that once a decision is acted on, there's no going back. We can't change the things that we've done. There's no taking it back. And we have to be cautious of what we are convinced of. We gotta remember, like we said at the beginning, right? Everything around us isn't for us. We could even be in a garden, in a place, an environment that God has placed us, but that doesn't mean everything is for us. There could be things in front of you that don't look harmful, that could be dangerous to your livelihood that could bring death in your life, in your situation. And that's what we see in this text, that's what we see in this. That she came to a place that she didn't realize that, oh, the tree's in the middle of this whole garden. She began to look at it differently. She said, you know what, this might be something that I don't want to miss out on. I don't want to lose out on this. You see, when we've reached a stage of longing for something, now you've entered a place of lust. A lot of times we don't view lust this way. We think of lust when it comes to sexual, okay? We think about lust, we think it's a a fleshly desire of another person. But if you look at the definition, lust is defined as having a strong desire for something. That means we can lust after anything. Anything can trip us up and become lustful. And I want you to receive this this morning. I want you to take this away finally. What your eyes long for influences what your actions become, what your eyes are longing for, what you are lusting after is going to become part of your actions. We read about this woman who had these questions and no longer, even though she had the answer before, did she have the same truth, because now she's starting to question it. Now she's like, well, I don't know, maybe I'll die, maybe I won't. And what did we read? It said she was convinced. She was convinced How does she become convinced? Well, we read in the word that she saw the tree was beautiful. So now this tree that's in the middle of the garden that has always been in the same spot, now all of a sudden it's beautiful to her. Now it's starting to hold a whole new value, a whole new meaning. And then as she continued to look at it, she said, you know what? That fruit, it does look delicious. You know what? I think I do want some of that. I do want what it could give me. And that's the dangerous place of lusting after things, of looking at things that we could find ourselves gaining the very thing that's going to kill us after something that we don't think is that harmful, is that threatening could be the thing that takes us out. We have to watch for those snakes that get our ears and begin to tell us things that God has already spoke to us about. If somebody's speaking to you, church, and it doesn't align with what God has told you, it doesn't align with his word, it doesn't align with brothers and sisters are trying to tell you that the word of God tells you, guess what? You got a snake in your ear. You got a snake talking to you. You got a snake trying to influence you. If you are living and you keep seeing things repeatedly happen bad, but you are listening to the vice of other people instead of God, you probably got a snake in your life. You got a snake in those group of friends, in your family. Sometimes church, guess what? There's snakes in church. I hope there ain't no snakes in this church. But it happens. Because guess what? The enemy knows who God is. He knows the word of God. But he don't want to follow him. And that's the thing. He's always looking to separate you. And so if you find something that is trying to separate you from God, from Jesus, man, you probably got a snake on your hands. And it's something that I've said on different occasions not just particularly today, but what happened, right? She ate the fruit, and then what did she do? She said, you want some of this? Go on to get some. Her husband ate it too. And the thing was, her husband was the person that God first warned. So that means he probably didn't go to do a good enough job of teaching her, right? That that's probably what we shouldn't do. But then he also didn't stop her. And then he also partaked in it. Sometimes we have so much relationship with somebody else, we have so much trust built up, we'll go and follow them anywhere. You jumping off of here, I'll jump with you, let's go and do it. <laughs> it's dangerous, church. You got to be mindful of the people that you have in your life. You got to be mindful of the ramifications that are going to come. And a lot of times we, we, we don't realize and we try to downplay things. Because God said they would die, but he didn't say they were going to die immediately. He didn't say, touch the tree, That said, you're over, and you're dead. He warned them though, if you mess with this tree, it's gonna kill you. And so a lot of times when we do something, even though we know it's not right, what happens? We think, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like, I'm still kind of okay, It's, it's okay. But what did we read? It said, suddenly they felt shame. Before they didn't have a care in the world. They're walking around naked. Now all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh. We're naked, y'all know this. They were covered up in shame. They were covered in guilt. They were no longer naked. All it takes is one decision, the wrong decision to alter your life forever. Whether it be listening to a snake, whether it be hanging with a snake, following a snake. Man, I know a lot of people in my life. I, I have some friends that are serving life sentences because they were around the wrong people at the wrong time, at the wrong place, and you can't take back some decisions because what happens? Every decision that is acted on can't come back. We have to be mindful of the decisions that we make. We got to be mindful of the people that we're following, that we are doing life with. I want us to read, and I got to have a whole nother message on on what happens after this, but I just want us to read in Genesis. I want to read verse 8 see what happens with God. It says, when the cool evening breeze was blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking among the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. They said, oh God's here, we gotta go. They hid from him. And if you continue to read in that chapter, the first thing God says is hey, Adam where you at? Eve, where y'all at? We're over here Lord. What are you doing hiding? You know what they tell him? They're like, Lord, we're naked. Lord's like, I know you're naked. Like, I made you that way. But he also knew. He said, hold up. Did you eat from that tree? I told you not to. She made me do it, Lord. (laughs) Y'all ever done that? She made me do it, Lord. Place the blame on somebody else. Guess what she said? She said, Lord, it was a snake. He told me it was okay. I believed it. And it just went on down. Man, you never realize the action that you choose to partake in, how it's going to affect you and other people down the line. But at the end of the day, it's on you. At the end of the day, you're going to have to deal with those consequences. Nobody else. When you go to court, they don't bring all your friends and family. They're looking for you to go to court. They're looking for you to stand up and pay for that penalty. And that's the thing. Anytime that we do something outside of God, against His will, things that He warned us not to do, What we are doing is we are writing a new debt that is accredited to us, and that's gonna need a payment. That somebody's gonna have to pay the debt, and guess what, it's in your name. So unless you got a relationship with Jesus, you get to pay for it. And I want us to read what happens with with, what God tells Adam and Eve. 16 and 21, he says, Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and the pain that will give you birth. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. How many women in this can say, yes, Lord, that that is real right there, right? All of those things are true. And then to the man, he said, since you have listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to, the ground is cursed because of you. And all your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. Then the man Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all who lived. And the Lord God made clothing from the animal skins for Adam and his wife. So they went from having the garden having the position, having the authority, having everything they could ever ask for, the things that we're always all searching for. I want a better job. I want a better car. I want a better house. I want all these better things. God gave them everything they could ask for, and they lost it in an instant, chasing after the one thing he told them not to do. That's all it takes, church, for us to chase after that one thing and find ourselves in a place like this of losing everything. They didn't realize that death was going to be more than just their own personal life. Death was going to be so much huger. They ended up having sons, Cain and Abel. Y'all heard of them? One of the brothers kills the other brother. There's death. Even before they even reached that, before they even experienced death for themselves, the death of uh, losing a child. There was the death of an animal, because what did the Lord say? He said, the Lord God made clothing from the animal skins from Adam and his wife. So that means there had to be a sacrifice to pay for the mistake that they just made. So there's always a penalty. There's always a debt for doing things outside of God, for sinning against him. Because sin is rebelling against God. It's going against His standard. And eventually somebody has to pay for that. And either Jesus is going to take that if you allow Him in your life, if you make Him your Savior, or it's going to be on you. Death is a promise for disobedience. That's why Jesus is so vital. Because He gives us new life. He allows us to be forgiven. He restores our relationship with God. He clothes us with grace and with mercy for this journey that we're on in this life. And so this is my challenge for everybody this moment moving forward. Is that we will learn to live according to God's truth. That that's what we would do. We say, okay, God, this is what your word says. This is what you said in prayer. This is what you've shown me in my life experience with you. Lord, this is what truth is. So when a snake is talking to me, I said, I can't listen to that. Because I'm going to start to question, I'm going to start to doubt. I need to listen to your truth. Because there is a lot of propaganda around us. There are a lot of things that want your ear. There are a lot of things trying to distract you and pull you from the Lord. There are a lot of things that don't want you in a relationship with Jesus. And if we live according to God's truth, we can avoid a lot of that. But it starts by us listening to God's truth. And as you listen to God's truth, you begin to identify things that you need to avoid, and that's the next step to live it out is start to avoid those things. Hey, I'm not in a place where I'm comfortable being around this group of people or seeing these family members, so it's best that I just not even go because I don't want to fall to the very thing that God just freed me from. We have to learn what we need to avoid. And then the final thing in learning to live according to His truth is you got to trust Him. You say, God, you say it's going to be true. I'm, I'm going to trust you. I don't know how it's going to work out. But I trust you with this. I trust you, Lord. Trust is a hard thing, church. Because God is going to often ask you to trust him in ways that you're not comfortable. In ways that are going to grow your faith. And growing faith is a hard thing. But it's going to make you so much better because of it. And it all starts with that relationship with Jesus. That's where it all got to begin, church. If you've never committed your life to Jesus, if you've never made that, man, that's where you got to begin. Because if not, you're living a life separated from God, and you're going to end up living an eternity separated from him as well. The Word of God talks about a place, and a lot of times Jesus would like, they're going to a place of gashing of teeth. He would make it sound real messed up, and that was just a little glimpse of what hell would be like when you live eternally separated from him. But that ain't what God wanted for us. He sent his son Jesus for us. And the word of God says that it's through Jesus' sacrifice, through his crucifixion and his resurrection, that we can receive eternal life in heaven. When we declare with our mouth, when we believe in our heart that Jesus died for us, we can be saved. Because the word of God says that anybody that calls on my son, anybody that calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. And that means you will be saved today, tomorrow, and all the days to come. That means you'll be forgiven forever. That means when the day comes, when you got to go see the judge, he says, are you good? Come on through. But it's up to you, church. And so if you have never made the decision to commit your life to Jesus, we invite you to do that today. Today is the day of salvation and tomorrow is not promised. We don't know what lies ahead of us today. But I don't want you to miss that opportunity of receiving the greatest gift that you could ever receive. A gift that changes you and forgives you forever if you decide to make that decision we want to know about it in front of the pews there's a card that says i want to commit my life to christ just fill that out drop it in the box in the back we'll have prayer team members that will love to pray with you they'll love to walk you through that if you need pray with you but all it is is having a conversation and say lord i need a savior and i'm believing your son is that savior I invite them into my life. I ask for forgiveness for the things that I've done, and I want to do this life with you. When you say that prayer, when you make that announcement, guess what? You're saved. Guess what? You can start a new life. You can move forward better than you've ever been. I want to pray for us as we get ready to go to a time of worship. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your love, for your grace in our life. We thank you that in a world filled with information, you offer us a truth to cut through it all. So would you help us receive what is real? Would you help us identify snakes that may be around us? But we surrender the things that are beyond our control and even our life, Lord. We surrender our mind. We surrender our hearts. We surrender our bodies. Everything that we are and everything that makes us, Lord, we surrender it to you this morning. we don't want to mess up the gardens that you give us we don't want to lose out in the positions and the opportunities that you place before us because we got in the way because we allow somebody to get our air father we need you to move in our life we pray for salvation that today would be salvation for anybody that hasn't received you lord that they would be bold they had received this gift and they would feel man the overwhelming love wash over them today So, Father, we just thank you and we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we worship, you're welcome to go and do it however you like. There'll be prayer team members in the back. But, man, let's give God our hearts this morning as we worship him.